0: covering all aspects of milwaukee brewers baseball it's time for brewers extra innings the podcast here is your host matt Pauley,
1: and we do welcome you into another edition of brewers extra innings the podcast powered by wtmj mobile my name is matt Pauley. it is great to have you with us we have a ton to get to here on the program this week our normal housekeeping items here at the top of the program if you uh, want to leave a ranking and review, if you listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast and want to subscribe, that'd be great. If you want to get at me, find me on Twitter at Matt Pawley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. All right, a lot to get to. As mentioned, our social media conversation is going to be with a uh, very familiar guest to the program, Nicholas Zettel, formerly of uh, BP Milwaukee and also a baseball prospectus. He's going to join us coming up in just a little while. And then later on, we are going to be joined by the radio broadcast voice of the San Antonio Missions, the AAA affiliate of the Brewers. As we get started, I want to hit on two things here at the top of the program. First off, the Brewers were on a five-game losing streak. They went on a road trip where most of it was uh, on the West Coast. They played two games in Houston before they headed West to play in San Francisco and San Diego. It wasn't a good road trip. They played poorly. They won two games. I said when they got back, it's never good when you go on a road trip and the number of cities visited is greater than the number of wins that you picked up, and that was the case with this road trip. I'm not trying to sweep under the rug the fact that the team was not playing good baseball. People can react to things however they want to react. One of the things I remind myself all the time, because I, when I hear other people do it, it frustrates me. I don't want to tell fans how to be fans. I hear other people doing it. It frustrates me. I hear me doing it sometimes, and I go, come on, Matt, shut up. I don't want to tell people how to be fans. So if you want to freak out about a five-game losing streak and believe that the season is going to be over, do your thing. It's. I don't think you're right. But if you want to live and die with every single game and every single week and every winning streak and every losing streak over the course of a 162-game season, you can do your thing. That's not how I view baseball. And I think history would tell us that teams go on losing streaks. In fact, uh, Chris Moore is a guy who works for uh, Fox Sports Wisconsin. He's one of their backstage folks. And here we're we'll be talking about this on the uh post-game show, and he did a little research for me, which I appreciated. In the last 5 years, there has been uh, just I, I believe the number was 27. 27 teams over 5 years, maybe it was 23. Anyways, it was in the I think it was 23. 23 teams over the course of the last 5 years, that have not lost five games in a row at some point during the course of the season. So that comes out to a handful of teams every year. It's not that no team does it, but it is that the vast majority of teams go on losing streaks. You play 162 games at some point in time, you're going to lose five in a row. We talked about last year, the, and I hate doing the compare last year to this year because they're two di- very different seasons, but on this on this topic I think it's applicable Last year's team, we know about the Pittsburgh series where they got swept in the 5-game series before the All-Star break. We know about the 7-game losing streak. They still ended up with the best record in the National League and they still were 1 win away from the World Series. Not the end of the world when you go on these losing streaks, and I do think that's important to remind people because there's I think there's too many people who lose it over a 5-game losing streak. Now, if you have a five-game losing streak and then you win a couple games and you go on another five-game losing streak and all of a sudden you're losing eleven of thirteen or seventeen of twenty-one or something like that, then you really start looking at things. And also, you can look at the things that are happening during the losing streak. And I don't think I don't think you dismiss everything. Starting pitching did not perform well for the Brewers in during that uh, during that losing streak. Just because I'm not going to get up in arms about the fact that the team lost five in a row, I can look at the starting pitching and say, okay, this isn't good right now. they got to get this figured out. They either got to get guys to start going deeper into games, or maybe they have to look outside the organization. So I guess the, the point is, and I'm again, I'm, uh, I'm telling you how to be a fan. I'm not trying to tell you how to be a fan. <laughs> a five-game losing streak, not the worst thing in the world also want to touch on the Jimmy Nelson. I man, The Jimmy Nelson situation is really interesting. And there's a lot of nuance to it. There's not a whole lot of black and white. There's many, many shades of gray. Basically, Nelson hasn't performed well. They take him out of the rotation. Uh, nobody has officially confirmed what I'm about to say. But if you read between the lines, you can see what went down. The Brewers wanted to send him to AAA for him to continue to start and work through his issues and start every fifth day. As a player who has five-plus years of Major League Baseball service time, he has the right to decline a minor league option. And he declined the minor league option if you are to believe everything that's kind of been said and speculated. Again, nobody with the Brewers has flat-out said, We wanted to send Jimmy Nelson to AAA, and he said no. But a lot of things, there's been a lot of insinuation of that. And that's quite honestly, that's what I believe happened. So we're going to go off the idea that that's what happened. So there's there's multiple things to look at on this. First off, from a team perspective, are the Brewers better with Jimmy Nelson at AAA trying to work on stuff, or are they better with him in the bullpen? Uh, the next thing, is Jimmy Nelson better going down and working on stuff, or is he better working in the bullpen? And then another thing is, is is Jimmy Nelson doing right by the team by by making this decision? The first reaction of fans, look, I, I, I was talking about this on, on, on the radio uh, over the weekend. I don't know if it was during my Brewers Extra Innings show or Brewers Warm-Up show, but I was talking about it, and – A lot of people were texting in saying, release him. Bad egg. We don't need this guy on the team. He's not a team first guy. And while I can understand why that can be the immediate reaction, I do think thinking through this a little bit and maybe understanding the implications of his decision is important. So you get service time based off how long you are on an active 25-man roster, or just 25-man roster. Like, he got credit last year for being on a 25-man roster when he was injured the entire season. So whether you're active on the 25-man roster or on the injured list, just as long as you're not on a roster of a minor league team. So as long as you're on the Major League roster, either active or on the injured list, you get credit for service time. Now, Major League Baseball has a pension. And it's, it's a really solid pension program. And when you're done playing and you retire, you're able to start receiving your pension. The amount of money you get in your pension is based off the amount of service time you get. So, and it, and it maxes out at 10 years. Once you get to 10 years, you can't get any more. That's where the pension is going to max out. By... So there, there's a financial, and I don't know if this is why why Nelson turned it down, but I think it's important to talk about because this is kind of real-world stuff right here. If Nelson goes to AAA, he, his, uh, his service time clock stops. Let's go to a worst-case scenario for a second. Let's say the shoulder never gets right and he never pitches a game in the major leagues again. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm, I'm trying to say that to make a point. So please, nobody say that Matt Pauley said that Jimmy Nelson was never going to pitch in the majors again if he has got sent down to AAA. That's not what I'm saying. I'm using that as an extreme example to illustrate a point. Let's say he goes down and he never returns to the major leagues again. He's lost a fair amount of money off his pension because of that. By playing five years... He has earned the right, and a lot of times the first reaction of fans is going to say, well, look how much money he already makes and this and that and the, the other. I think most people in like everyday normal jobs would sort of do the same thing. I, I don't know what the – anytime you compare sports and professional athletes and people who make that much money to like real-world stuff that you and me are dealing with, it, it's it's going to be a flawed analogy because there's no way that you can have an apples-to-apples analogy, and I understand that. But I think most of us, if we're working in a job and we get some sort of benefit because we're there for five years, even something simple, hey, once you have worked for a company for five years, instead of getting 14 vacation days, you're going to get 18 vacation days. And you go to put in your vacation and your boss says, hey, we really need you to not take those four vacation days. A lot of people would say, excuse me, I've worked here five years. I've earned this. No, I'm taking my vacation days. And that, that's kind of how it is with Jimmy Nelson. So there's more going from a baseball perspective. Quite honestly, I think, I think from a baseball perspective, Nelson would be uh, better suited to go to AAA. He's a starting pitcher coming off a gruesome shoulder injury and 22 months of rehab to get back. He's always been a starter. The The role of routine, I think, is really important. So going through your normal five-day routine and taking the ball that fifth day, your side session, everything you do being very regimented, I think is going to be what is best for Nelson to try to get as close as possible to returning to the form that he was in previously. So... From a, from a pitching perspective, I think it makes the most sense. Now he's going to be in the bullpen. You don't know when he's going to pitch. How much confidence is he really going to come into a, a close game? I don't know how much confidence the organization has in him. And there's he walks into the ballpark every day not knowing if he's going to pitch that day or not. I don't know if that's best for him. So it's kind of a, a real-world, pension, service time what's gonna happen after baseball, I have a family, medical issues with the kids recently, like all that is in one side, and then there's the baseball side of it. And I just I think it's a tough thing. So I'm not I'm not gonna begrudge Jimmy Nelson for making the decision to take advantage of something he has earned with his time in Major League Baseball. You get to five year service time, you get to Uh, reject assignments to the minor leagues. That's that's part of the deal. I'm not going to be upset at him about that, but I'll also present the fact that I think what's better for the club and what's better for Jimmy Nelson would have been him going to Triple-A. It's a very complicated situation, and it's. Uh, I think you have to look at all sides of it before you make any sort of final decision. Look, there's going to be people out there that they're listening to me talk right now, and their initial reaction is, "This guy makes millions of dollars. His job is to help the team win games. He should take in the demotion." Okay, you can you can believe that, and that's fine. Again, I would say there's some real-world aspects to this on why uh, on why Nelson made the decision that he made. Alright, so uh, coming up on the program, we are going to have our social media conversation with Nicholas Zettel. We'll get more into the Nelson stuff with him. Uh, we'll take a peek at the AAA San Antonio missions with Mike Sager. Uh, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about Keston Hira. <laughs> so we'll do that coming up in just a bit. But right now, let's get to this week's Headlines of the Week.
0: It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week.
1: All right, so we mentioned a couple of them. Jimmy Nelson is to the bullpen. That's uh, that's a big one. He evidently does not take uh, the option to AAA, so he's going to work out of the bullpen moving forward. We'll see what that looks like. Corbin Burns this past week, he got sent back to AAA. He does not have the five years of service time to say, no, I'm not going. So he goes there and he's going, they say he's going to work in short burst, that he might even start some games, but he's going to work in short burst. So that tells you that uh, the idea and the plan for Burns is still for him to be a relief pitcher. I still have to think his future, long-term future in Major League Baseball is as a starter, but I don't think that's going to happen uh, this year. Aaron Wilkerson is returning to the Brewers. He's been just killing it at Triple A adrian hauser being placed into the rotation his first start is going to be wednesday against seattle and he he's not stretched out he's been pitching out of the bullpen so it's not technically a bullpen day on wednesday but it's going to look like a bullpen day in all likelihood because there's going to be some pitch count limitations on him but if he stays if he does a nice job and stays in the rotation it shouldn't take much more than three four maybe at the most five starts for him to be all the way stretched out again he was stretched out at the beginning of the season when he started the year at a as a uh, starter geo gonzalez he has been uh, throwing some bullpen sessions. He is getting closer. There's a chance that he could return to the rotation prior to the All-Star break. And three Brewers make it into the finals for uh, the All-Star uh, game. The I don't like the new voting system, to be honest with you. I think it's clunky and complicated. But there was like the primary election or the general—yeah, primary election, which already took place, and top three make it to the next round so there are three brewers who are among the this group of players who are now going to be in the general election christian yalich as you would expect mike moustakis and yasmani grandal are the three uh, brewers who are going to be uh, in that? And voting's going to reopen here coming up this week. Those are this week's headlines of the week.
0: After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the
1: podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for our social media conversation. We're bringing on a guy right now that we like to have uh, on the podcast. He is the uh, former editor of BP Milwaukee, a former contributor to uh, Baseball Prospectus. He is doing much, much more important and bigger things in the world now, but we will continue to have him on uh, very, very often. He is uh, Nicholas Zettel. Nick, uh, great to talk to you. How are you? Matt, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on tonight. I, I want to jump off on this because uh, I know you're somebody that uh, really wants to— you're very pro player. We've talked about uh, in previous years, you know, service times and pensions and, and all that sort of stuff, and that kind of— that got put into the forefront here over the last couple of days with Jimmy Nelson because he has he's a five-plus-year vet, so he's garnered enough service time that he can reject an assignment to— uh, AAA. It appears that the Brewers wanted to send him to AAA. He seemingly turned it down. Nothing has been official, but I think we can read between the lines enough to see that he was the one who said, no, I'm going to stay at the big league level, and now the Brewers are kind of dealing with it. How do you view that as someone who... I'm guessing you can probably think that maybe him starting at AAA would be better for him, but also as a guy who's been in baseball, in Major League Baseball for five plus years with a service time, he's got the right to say no. I'm not going to go to AAA.
2: Yeah, I'm always gonna, I'm always gonna side with that last line. I think um, that you said that. I'm always gonna side with a player who says, you know, I, I earned my right, and this is this is my job and this is my right as a worker that I've earned. And so I'm going to take it. And I think that, um, I'm really disappointed to see that a lot of fans are being negative about Jimmy in that regard, because honestly, I think if we all, if we all looked in the mirror and applied that to our own situations, we would almost always say that we understand why you would do that, that, you know, everyone has rough, rough times at work. Everybody has, things that you know things that change in their lives or things that that don't go according to plan and when you have those protections in place that's a good thing sometimes and so i think people people can't say that they want Jimmy Nelson to come back to the MLB as that big ace we saw you know the last time we saw him pitch before his injury we we can't say we want to see him as that big ace and then not give him any of the rights that go along with being a MLB players, players association member. So I think, I, I think he absolutely is right to say that. And, um, you know, it stinks to think that, that you'd want to develop him more that, you know, you think, well, maybe the brewer should have tried to work out something, keeping him down while he was already down working in the minors, uh, on his injury rehab and maybe do it that way where, you know, he's already down there and you can say, look, we want you to work on a couple more things before coming to the MLB. So I just, I'll always side with Nelson on that.
1: All right, so let's get into the baseball aspect of that, though, because it does, to me at least, and and I'm – I am somebody who I, I think the I think the real life application of this is really interesting because if you were to go to somebody out there and say, "Hey, you work for a company and part of the rules of the company is, you know, you work there for 5 years, you automatically get a 10% raise and then your company comes to you at 5 years and says, "You know what, we don't want to give you the raise. Are you okay with that?" Like nobody's going to be okay with that. So that's it's it's always tough to apply what's going on in professional sports and apply it to like the real world stuff. So there, there's some murky water here to go through, but that that's a version of it. That being said, from a baseball perspective – I think he would be, for he'd be better suited to be starting every five days at AAA as he continues to work his way back from this shoulder injury. So, what do you think the how do the Brewers handle this moving forward, having him in the bullpen where he's not going to have that routine? They're not going to know for sure when they're going to be pitching him yet. They're still trying to get him back to what he was prior to the injury.
2: So. You know, I've been thinking about that a lot, and I always wonder—I always wonder how aggressive the Brewers are with their side days with guys, because you know these pitchers work on the side when they're not when they're not appearing in games. And uh, I thought about this recently with Corbin Burns. If you look at Burns before he was sent down, um, he was working really sparsely over the last three weeks or so. He only had, I think, about three and a third innings before he appeared the other night, and. I started to wonder if maybe the Brewers do that where they want to get a certain guy more side work, more work in the bullpen, you know, on days off rather than going in game appearances. And I would be really curious with the day off coming up for the Brewers. I think they have a day off uh, on Monday. And um, if if they're giving Nelson side work to, to sort of get his basically gives repetition together. Cause I think his stuff actually looks all right. And in, in some cases, he's got this sort of new like cut fastball thing going on. And I think, I think this is a huge change for him where like, he's not going to pitch the same way. He doesn't have to be the same pitcher he used to be to be successful, but you know, if he's trying to all of a sudden work on a cut fastball and working with his new curveball way more, he threw his curveball a ton in his last start. And so if he's trying to get a new grip on that curveball and work with his cutter, you know, maybe they're going to give him more side work at the MLB level and send him down to AAA. That's just a guess that maybe, because they do have a pretty deep bullpen um, that they can work with on a regular basis to get regular outings. So it it just strikes me that maybe they want Maybe they want him at the MLB level working with Chris Hook on on days off.
1: How do you think his decision plays in the clubhouse? I think I asked this question and, and let me say this. So every player in that clubhouse understands the five year rule and understands the importance of service time towards getting the pension and everything. But every player in that clubhouse also is trying to win and, and feels like that this is a team that can have just as much, if not more, success than last year. Do you? Would you think that it's a pretty united front from the other players that they they're they're good with his decision to uh, not take the option, or do you think there's some in there that might
2: begrudge him a little bit? I would have to believe that they support him uh, just based on. Um Based on everything that I read of him coming out of the rehab, and I think we all saw the reaction when Jimmy Nelson, he had the his first appearance back on the mound. Um, I think it was in Arizona where he, you know, the the entire organization packed into that dughouse and gave him a, a standing ovation, and you know, everyone was supporting him. And so, it strikes me that it strikes me that Jimmy's dedication off the field. You know, when he when he was going through some tough stuff with the family while he was also doing that injury rehab and he really dedicated himself to coming back from a difficult injury. And I think, I think that those guys know just how tough what he did is. I think, I think they're not going to begrudge him at all. And in fact, I think the entire Brewers organization deserves some credit where, you know they're they're sticking with guys like who's Aguilar who's struggling. Um, they got a whole bunch of guys struggling right now, and they they just stick with these guys in a lot of in, in a lot of cases. And I think that builds a clubhouse rapport as much as just saying, "Oh, we're just going to have the best guys up here all the time, regardless of like if we got to cut somebody or if we got to send someone down to the minors." No, it's pretty clear that the Brewers are doing something different here um, with a lot of players, and I I think. I think to the extent that the guys respect what Jimmy went through during his rehab, I think they're going to support Nelson with what he did um, to, to refuse going, to, going back to the minors.
1: What you just touched on is kind of going to be the theme of our entire conversation because I feel like in a bunch of different areas right now, the Brewers are navigating through a win now versus what's – What's best for maybe the the baseball team in the long run, and also just uh, what for the clubhouse and the culture and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you mentioned Corbin Burns earlier. You had a tweet about Corbin earlier this week prior to him being sent down, and uh, you you basically made the point why is he up at the big league level when he's not pitching when he's still somebody who needs more development he's a guy who has a very high ceiling is the team you know basically wasting some of that by keeping him on the big league roster and with Corbin Burns it feels like it was the argument between him being one of the best options to be in the Major League bullpen, even if he was one of the last guys in the bullpen, uh, versus him going back to A and working on some things. Prior to them calling uh, sending him down, obviously they were going with win at the Major League level. He hasn't had that much success, though, this year. Where do you kind of... How do you navigate through that win now at the Major League level, but have prospect-level players who are not getting the playing time that they need versus taking those guys like a Corbin Burns and allowing them to work more at AAA? You
2: know, I think that's got to be a case-by-case case basis because I know, I think with Burns, I and I want to make this perfectly clear, I really, I know some of the stuff I write m- might seem murky on that, but I really support Corbin Burns. I think he... I I like him still scouted the way that a lot of um, folks scouted him a few years ago and even a year ago where they thought, you know, this is a guy who's like a pretty low-risk mid-rotation starter. Like, he he could really morph into a mid-rotation starter. And even if that doesn't work, I still think he could be an impact reliever at some point. But that said, you know, I wouldn't give up on his his starting pitching ceiling. So I want to say that first, that I'm saying this from a point of view that I think he can develop into something really good. And so that's why in his particular case, I would rather have seen, I I think from the get-go, I was really frustrated with how the Brewers handled him because first and foremost, I think they gave up on him way too soon. You know, he had those, he had those first couple really, really rough starts in April. And I feel like if you're going to commit to a guy starting the MLB season on the roster as a, as a rotational starter, you just got to stick with them, you know, give them, give them more than a few starts to, to get their sea legs under them. That didn't happen. And I just had I've thought the whole season that if he's not going to start at the big league level, they should have him down in triple A working on starting. Because this is a guy if the Brewers want to win for five years, if the Brewers want to be a win now team in twenty twenty, a win now team in twenty twenty one, a win now team in twenty twenty two, they have to get a guy like Corbin Burns right. If they don't get Corbin Burns right it's going to make it tougher to win now. And so that's, that's how I look at that balance on a case-by-case basis because you can say, oh, we want to win now in 2019. Well, you don't want to rebuild in 2020 then, right? You right. want to keep it going. And so that's why I really do look at these guys on a case-by-case basis because I think if the Brewers are going to have this sustained window of success that David Stearns always talks about, he's going to have to start giving these young guys a chance to just get it right at the MLE level or you know give them a full development shot at AAA in order to come up later because it's just they have to get some of these young guys right because they don't have the they don't have the farm system to make a big trade anymore so it's just uh this is this is a like a, a pretty tough a pretty tough trial for the organization right now I think they really got to get these guys right
1: I don't know if there's a comp in major league baseball right now to what the brewers are doing and tell me what you think on this the Brewers are willing to spend money, They, they they've, uh, and some people would say they need to spend more money, and you look at the economics of baseball and they could spend more money, but I think the Brewers deserve credit for the amount of money they've spent. They've extended their payroll uh, a lot further than they ever have, and in an era of baseball where teams are going in the exact opposite direction, the Brewers are willing to spend money. The Brewers are trying to win now, but the Brewers are also trying to make sure that – they don't put themselves in position where a tank could be coming. And you look at like a Kansas City Royals, they went through that great period of success, but now they're paying the price for it. The Brewers are trying, as a small market team, very similar to Kansas City, the Brewers are trying to have this high level of success, but also position themselves to not fall off the way Kansas City has. And I don't know if there's a team in baseball that's going through exactly what the Brewers are going through.
2: Yeah, that's really tough to say. Um I think the biggest the biggest comparison that I've seen in that regard is um I've looked at the Arizona Diamondbacks recently. A lot of they got a lot of flack after trading Paul Goldsmith for not doing a full teardown and, and they've been a pretty competitive club all year. Um I think the Tampa Bay Rays are a team that you want to look at here. They're a really bizarre organization. They do mm-hmm they kind of march to their own beat all the time. You know, they kind of just do their own thing. They're always doing the Tampa Bay Rays vision. And I think I think the Brewers are like a baby Tampa Bay Rays. I don't think they're quite at the level of absurdity that the Rays have, um, where, like, the Rays just kind of go for these really, like, extremely out-of-the-box ideas and they really go with it. Um, the Brewers, a lot of people are going to hate this, but I actually think David Stearns is acting a little bit more like Doug Melvin than a lot of people are going to want to give him credit for. And what I mean by this is Doug Melvin, for the years between about 2008 and 2015, always tried to aim for the middle of the league. And maybe a team would take a step forward, maybe a team would take a step back. But he always seemed to have a team where every year you'd split and you'd be like, you know what, this is a team that if a couple things go right, they could be a really good team. And I think if you really truly look at the brewers, that's what they are right now. They're kind of this you could go up and down the brewer's roster, and there's only a few players that you would call superstars. If you if you scouted them on a on a true scout like twenty grade twenty is low, grade eighty is high, you wouldn't find you'd find a lot of middle of the road players. There's a lot of scouting laws on the brewers. They kind of like got this bizarre batch of guys that go together just right. They build a baseball system. And I think I think that's how Stearns is gonna do it for the next few years. He's just got this like middle of the road club. And when things go right, a middle of the road club can play up, which is what we're seeing this year. You know, there's a lot of flaws on this team, but they're still they still got a shot at winning the division. So um I think there's they're They're running their own weird little system in milwaukee i I absolutely love it I think um i know I know on Twitter I often will criticize David Stearns and that's because I always think he can do better but i think I think the the organization is in great shape right now and they're they're kind of a bizarre team they just they're just this middle of the road club that keeps winning, and I love that.
1: Yeah, you actually you had a tweet this past week talking about uh, them averaging a true five hundred season and daily performance. Yet they are. Uh, exceeding that in terms of wins and losses. And they've they've tended to do that. I mean, you look at since David Stearns has been around, since Craig Council has been around, you can look at the roster, you can look at some of the numbers, and you can say they are outplaying, outperforming, getting more wins than some of these numbers would indicate that they should be getting. So what's leading to them outplaying what they have on that 25-man roster?
2: I mean, honestly, I, I think last year it was the bullpen and the fielding. This year, the fielding is not as good. The fielding is much less efficient, but you still got that bullpen. And I know a lot of people are complaining about how Josh Hader is used, but he's he's been electric at the end of games. You know, if he can come in in the eighth inning, and you're pretty much like talking talking that he's got a chance to be a lights-out closer for Twins. I mean, that's, that's still a business. That's still a fantastic role, and uh, I'm looking right now. Uh, according to Baseball Reference, entering today's game, they were uh, sorry. Entering Sunday's game, they were 11 and six in one-run games. So, I mean, they're they're still elite at winning one one-run games. So, if they're if they're in a close game, they're going to win it uh, in a lot of cases. And so, I think that's that's still what they're doing great, and they they just have this this like never ending cast of deep you know deep organizational players and uh like organizational depth guys and uh this rotating this rotating roster um strategy going between triple A and M L B and I think combining those things together, they're just that's how they win games more than you would expect. I think they're using every roster spot um as carefully as they can um, in that for that purpose
1: somehow we've talked for 18 and a half minutes and i've not said keston here's name but that's going to change right now just very generally and we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more where do you stand on the organization's decision so far to stay loyal to travis shaw and jesus aguilar at the cost of having keston here at AAA?
2: I mean, that's a tough one. I, I'm pretty clear that I think I think Keston here is now his time to develop at the MLB level. I don't think I don't think he has anything left to prove at AAA, unless you're really gonna nitpick like he could learn he could learn how to draw walks and he could learn how to be a little bit more disciplined. Well, you know, if you look at this guy named Ryan Braun, uh I vividly remember eleven years ago I was one of the weirdos who was criticizing Braun for his lack of plate discipline his first couple of years. And then he learned that at the MLB level. And so I think I really wanted to see Keston here develop at the MLB level. Um, I'm not as high on him as some people. I, I'm not convinced that he's going to be this like outright superstar that a lot of people think he's going to be. That said, I think he's going to be a fantastic potential likes regular second baseman that can hit for for a little while, at least, and I—that's a really good role. So, at the—you know—this is his time to play at the MLB level. So, I know that means that I have to either say that I wanted Jesus Aguilar or um, or Travis Shaw to, to not be on an MLB roster. But that's that's kind of where I'm at. Do you? Um...
1: Well, they'll say it has nothing to do with ser- the reasons Keston here. Uh, there's a lot of reasons Keston here is a triple-A service time uh, is a part of it, despite the fact that the organization has kind of publicly said it's not Uh n- They don't want to just let Jesus Aguilar walk out the door for, for nothing. Uh, they don't want to send Travis Shaw down to triple-A when Shaw has been as good of a player as he's been in his, in his brewers tenure. Are those good reasons for the decision that's been made so far?
2: Well, um, I want to say um, the guys at Brew Crew, Brew Crew Ball and uh, BrewerFan.net corrected me on this because I used to be one of the Keston Hira service time manipulator guys, and and um, they corrected me. I'm dead wrong on that. So I want to say right now, Keston Hira, he, he's beyond any service time threshold. Um, he got that extra year of control when they kept him down – in the minors at the beginning of the season. And now he's way beyond any super two, way beyond any super two deadline. So now he's, it's a baseball decision now. So now that's what's interesting about it. Like you can really clearly say it's not, it's not a service time manipulation thing. It's not money thing. They're, they're literally making the baseball decision. They want to stick with Jesus Aguilar and Travis Shaw. And as much as I might disagree with keeping the guy, like, I, I just, I don't know that you can keep Aguilar on the roster much longer, just given, given his struggles. And, but at the end of the day, I think it's really interesting that they're sticking with him because they're obviously looking at something that we're not seeing. And I think, I think that's great if, if that's, if that's how they're going to try and do things. Um, I've also heard the theory that they're keeping him for a, clubhouse reason. I think that's interesting too, that, you know, maybe he's a leader and they see value that way. So um as much as I on the surface disagree with the decision, I can understand that the brewers are probably seeing things that we as fans are are missing.
1: I want to take a quick moment here and I'm this off season at some point I'm gonna do a podcast devoted to terminology and in kind of explaining things. A lot of times on the service time people Confuse two things for being one. Uh, there, Everybody just says Super 2. There's the first thing about uh, not getting so much major league service time in a single season that accounts for a full season. And then there's also the Super 2, which is really complicated. It has to do with the top 22% of guys, and it's very complicated. But I guess my point is, there. Are, you mentioned the two thresholds. There are very much two different thresholds of service time. I wasn't sure when the Super 2 one actually uh, passed. Through, uh, but there was the first one that basically all he had to do was spend a couple weeks at the minor league level, and he was past that one. But then there was Super Two later on, so it's mm-hmm. it's complicated. But I wanted to stop and kind of say there it are is. two different things right there.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely two different things. So I think what fans, well, fans always want to think about is you know they're always interested: if we get the extra year of service control of of these guys? So like you know, you can be a free agent after six years of service. And so by by keeping that week or whatever down in AAA at your, the beginning of your first MLB year, that kind of gets you onto that seventh seventh control year, which everyone's so interested in, you know, obviously say like, oh, you know, if this prospect's going to be good, we want him for another, you know, we want him for seven years rather than six. And so almost M- every MLB team does that now. Um, there's There's very few who don't do it. Um, and then, yeah, the super two, I, to be perfectly honest, I don't even try and calculate super two. Um, it's, it's theoretically should be a moving target because it's, it's based on the actual service time of like the players of a certain class. And so every year it could be a different threshold based on like what players are actually accumulating at the MLB level. So I, I definitely have stopped uh, trying to even think about when, when that cutoff might be.
1: Let me get you out of here on this because starting pitching sure. outside of Brandon Woodruff has been questionable, and we'll see what happens when Gio Gonzalez gets back. I still have conf. Every time I watch, the last two times I've watched Elise Chassin pitch, I feel like he's so close because he'll have yeah. that rough start, and then all of a sudden he'll start commanding the fastball, hitting that slider anywhere he wants to put it. It's like, okay, there's that guy, and then he'll fall off again at the end of his outing. So I feel like Shasin is so close to being the guy he was last year. But that being said, they have one reliable starter right now in Woodruff. Even Zach Davies has had a, a little bit of a downturn here recently, but he's been pretty good. I'm, I'm definitely not trying to uh, talk bad about Davies. He's he's done a nice job, but where do you stand on starting pitching and where they've they've done such a good job at being being able to win games without that top-flight starter. Does does that continue this year? Do they go outside the organization? Do they continue to try to fill these roles with different guys from inside the organization? What's going to happen?
2: I just kind of tossed this idea out there recently, but I, I, think, um, I think I'd be really curious to see if they're going to just go with their internal guys again, like maybe call up their surprise minor leaguer. Like last year it was Freddie Peralta. This year they got Trey Shupak and uh, they got Zach Brown, which a lot of folks are excited about. And they got a whole bunch of other guys, you know, these sort of organizational depth roles. And, I mean, let's be real. This isn't like last year where um, they just have a lot fewer prospects to trade. Even last year they traded a bunch of prospects to get, you know, even these, like, kind of interesting flyers that they traded to get Gio Gonzalez. I'm not sure that they have... As many interesting single A players that they can trade, like like they did last year. You know, they they made a lot of midseason trades last year from their from their starting from their uh, minor league depths and their minor league quality. So um, that leads me to believe that they're going to try working with some of these internal guys. Because again, it's I, I love this rotation strategy in a way that they they have no stars. They have nobody who. There's no ace on this team. I, they they had no ace last year. I love that. I think that's great. They have they have a pitching system and they have a defense system. What needs to improve this year is the fielding. The fielding is not as efficient as last year, and I think that's that's something that I I have to look into more to see like how that actually is distributed between different starters. If you know it actually is a defensive support issue, and then. You know, I, I would just love to see them give some of these young guys a chance because they're already winning. They're not gonna. They really don't have anything to lose this year because even if they don't end up winning the division, and let's say they're fighting for a wild card instead, if they get a if they get an MLB role out of Zach Brown or Trey Schupak or one of these other minor leaguers, like they did with Freddie Peralta last year, that's a huge win for the organization. So um, that's kind of how I'm leaning on that right now.
1: He is Nicholas Zettel. Now in the past, I always like plugged when it was BP Milwaukee. And then we plugged baseball prospectus and you were always very humble. And you would say, you know what? Don't even worry about my own Twitter. Just push forward this other stuff. Well, there isn't that other stuff anymore. So now I can say people can follow you on Twitter at uh, Spective wax. That's S P E C T I V E wax W W A X. And I could say that now. And I did. And unless you're really mad at me for saying it, it's going to stick in here. But, uh, Really appreciate you <laughs> taking uh some time and uh we're gonna continue to have these conversations. I always enjoy talking to you.
2: Right on. Thanks a lot, Matt. You know, I'll say my one plug will be everyone everyone has high opinion or uh um charged opinions about it, but follow the daily Pythagoras hashtag. I follow every day I publish the Brewer's uh Runs Scored and Runs Allowed Record and I'm following it throughout the entire season. Uh, and that's those are kind of the little odd odd um, statistical oddities you'll get when you follow me on Twitter. So, um, and then you can mute me when I start talking about politics.
1: Fair enough. Daily hashtag daily Pythagoras and Pythagoras P Y T H A G O R A S. I was reading it. I didn't know that off the top of my head. <laughs> hey, uh, appreciate the time as always. We'll uh, we'll catch up again real soon.
2: Right on, Matt. Hey, I always appreciate it. Thanks so much. <laughs>
0: The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm.
1: Brewers X-Range, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We're very happy to welcome back onto the podcast the voice of the San Antonio Missions, the Brewers AAA affiliate. That is Mike Sager. Mike, really appreciate you taking some time. How are you? I am doing great. I
3: appreciate you having me on. Yeah, hope everything's been well and uh, hope folks have been following the missions a little bit. It's been a good year so far. First place, best record in the PCL.
1: Yeah, we'll get to a lot of that. Before we do, the team is in Omaha right now. I guess technically Papillion, so it's a little bit outside the Omaha area. But the, the College World Series is going on right now. What's it like being uh, in that community and in that area? Well, obviously, uh, we're one of the biggest events of the year for that city going on.
3: Well, to be honest with you, where we are staying, we're probably about a 15-minute car ride from the center of it all, so we're kind of on the edge, and you wouldn't really know it uh, here. Uh, There's a lot of Little League kids out here. I think they've got some huge tournament going on, but uh, if you didn't know any better, I I don't think you'd even have any idea from where we're staying that there's the College World Series going on. We're a little too far from uh, kind of the, the center of the action, so to speak.
1: It's uh, it's kind of interesting in Omaha because they they built both those ballparks pretty close to each other in time frame and you've got the one where it's kind of out in the suburbs and then the one that's uh, more in the city for the for the College World Series. That's a really good city in terms of uh, being able to support sports and support baseball.
3: Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you the crowds, you know I was wondering when we got here knowing that the, you know everything was going on. I was thinking, ah, I wonder if you know if their attendance is gonna take a hit, but um, you know they've had. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, they had some good crowds, so uh, over five thousand. I mean, legitimate, you know, turnout. Today was uh, not a bad crowd. It wasn't quite as big, and then of course we got rained down in the fifth and suspended. But um, I was pleasantly surprised at uh, you know the turnout they had, considering what's going on. You know, with the College World Series. But you're right. I mean, the community obviously supports both. I mean, heck, they get twenty-five thousand strong at uh, TD Ameritrade for the College World Series, and. Uh, I think the crowds we've had here for our series are a little bit above what Omaha's uh, average attendance you know, per home game this year is. So it's, it, it's been nice not, you know, to play in front of people.
1: Let's get into uh, the team a little bit. Keston Hira hitting a Grand Slam in the game that, as we're talking on Sunday night, and you alluded to it, uh, bottom of the fifth inning uh, game had to be suspended due to weather, and it's going to be continued on Monday, and then a regularly scheduled game will be played on Monday as well. But uh, Keston Hira hitting a Grand Slam. I On my post-game show, I cannot go a day Without people asking when is Keston Hira going to return to the Brewers? Can you talk to me a little bit about uh, what he's been like in San Antonio since the return, since his very good stint at the major league level?
3: Oh, Keston's been great. You know, he's a he's a good kid. He's got a level head, and you know, he didn't come back here pouting and upset. I mean, sure, I, I'm, I'm I'm sure he was a little bit bummed. Who wouldn't be? Uh, once you get to taste of the nectar, as I like to say, but you know, he has he's very diligent at what he does and he puts in the work and he's very routine oriented and he sticks to it and, you know, doesn't try to be more than what he is. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of what you need to do to succeed in baseball because it is such a routine oriented sport. Uh, you know, you got to find something that works and, and stick to it and be committed to it. And, you know, that's what he's done. And, uh, the no, no ill effects from you know coming down and pouting or anything like that. I wouldn't expect that out of him. Kind of getting to know him a little bit what kind of guy he is. He's got a great head on his shoulders, and um, you know, he's going to be back in Milwaukee at some point. I mean, when is you know I don't even know if David Stearns knows that offhand, but I mean, we're we're borrowing him for now, and he'll he'll be back up there. But we're we're going to enjoy him while he's here. But he's he's been a pleasure to watch, and uh, you know he's pretty much picked up where where he left off, I think today his grand slam was his seventh home run in 17 games since uh, coming back to us, and he hit two slams now in a in a week and a half. So uh, you know, same old question.
1: I'm going to kind of ask you to put your put yourself in his mind, which is uh, not easy to do, but I mean, he's on Twitter. And there's every day, There's it seems like there's hundreds of tweets going out about fans wanting Keston Hira back at the big league level. What do you think it's like for him seeing all that stuff as he's continuing to just try to go through that routine that you talk about?
3: You know, if I had to guess, I would say it doesn't bother him at all. Uh, and I'm not sure if he goes through his timeline and, and leads through all of it. I I think he understands... The business side of baseball, and I think he understands that he wasn't sent down here because he wasn't doing the job. And I'm sure that the the brass explained that to him when they sent him down as well. I mean, it's you know they had they had Shaw, they weren't ready, you know, they're not ready to give up on him yet. And you know the only reason Keston was up there as early as he was is because of you know Shaw getting hurt and they had a need, and he took advantage of it. So at least he showed them, hey, I'm I'm big ready, but. And I think he knows his time is coming. You know, it's it's he's not going to be down here terribly long. In worst case scenario, September first. Uh, you know, at the longest. Uh, but I I don't think any of the Twitter stuff bothers him at all. And I'm not even sure how much of it he reads, to be honest with you. Like I said, he's very focused. Uh, he's very diligent in his work. Uh, he doesn't waver from it. And uh, he knows he knows he's going to be up there. And I'm sure he knows he's going to be up there for a long time. Once he you know once he gets back up there and. Personally, I would expect him maybe to be the starting second baseman next year. That would be my guess.
1: Trent Christian has appeared in two games uh, going in today. Two home runs, five RBIs, 375 average. This guy making a pretty solid splash there as he uh, gets to San Antonio.
3: Yeah, well, what you didn't mention is he homered in his first to bat today, so that's three homers mm. in three days. Uh, and he added two walks, so I think he's now been on base. He's had... Uh, 13 plate appearances and he's been on base in eight of them, (laughs) uh, with three homers, a single and a handful of walks. Uh, he's been, you know, he's been as advertised. Uh, he had, you look at his numbers down in, uh, double a, you know, one thing that I, I always like to look at the batter's walks to strikeouts, it gives you kind of an idea. And, you know, he had, He was leading the Southern League in walks, and his strikeout rate was less than 18%, which is perfectly fine. And he's he's showing a good eye up here at the plate. Um, You know, it's funny because I was talking about him to Rick Sweet, our manager, uh, yesterday. I think it might have been. And he said, actually, when he first got in the system, that the um, minor league staff, they had to almost force him to start swinging the bat because he would take – he wasn't too passive, but he was taking pitches in certain counts that you really want to be ready to hit. They finally got him doing that. Uh, and I know he got off to a bit of a slow start this year. Um, sweet had him in spring training most of the spring with, with our club and I think he was, you know, a guy that <laughs> excuse me, they thought might break camp, but you know, numbers game and all that. He was sent to Biloxi and started slow, but since about the third week of May, if you look at his numbers, he's been on fire. I think he's third in the minors in RBIs and uh first or second in slugging since like May the twenty fourth. So, I mean, he's really kicked it into another gear and uh, made a couple of nice plays in center the other night. I think his first game, uh you know, balls that were hit over his head where he turned and he did what an outfielder's supposed to do. When you when you realize the ball's gonna be hit over your head, they always teach you to pick a spot out there where you think the ball's gonna go and you run to that spot and turn around. Uh, not easy for us to do, but guys who've had thousands of balls hit to them over the course of uh time, you know, playing professionally, they're able to do that and, and made a couple of nice plays that, you know, I don't know too the other Center fielders in the league might have made so he's he's been a uh I won't say a surprise because he was already doing it in Biloxi but he has uh definitely made himself at home here in uh, in triple a in just a few days
1: with the uh with Corey Ray being on the injured list and Tyrone Taylor being on the injured list only two actual guys listed as outfielders listed on the roster and Grisham and Troy Stokes how is Rick Sweet managing that right now and who's getting some of the other time in the outfield
3: well, before we got Grisham, uh, Corey Spangenberg had been playing pretty regularly in center field and he's played outfield in his career. Uh, but he's, you know, by trade, he's an infielder. Uh, Corey did a really good job playing in center field, but it was kind of, it was a lot of mixing and matching. You know, we have, uh, a unique roster in which there are many, uh, players who can play in multiple positions and so it makes it, I guess a little bit easier and at the same time maybe a little tougher for Rick because there are a lot of guys you can't play everybody at the same time and there are a lot of guys who would deserve to play every day so you know trying to maintain the balance of, of keeping guys happy by playing them enough and mixing and matching and that's kind of what he's been able to do but as far as center field goes it, it pretty much had been Spangerberg uh, until Grisham got here and now that now the Trent's here, he, he's probably going to be pretty much the everyday center fielder. And, you know, will move around like he was in left field today for the for the suspended game. And then Stokes and then, you know, I'm not sure what they're going to do. when you know, I know Taylor started his rehab, and I think he's pretty close to coming back. So when he gets back, he's going to be an everyday guy. So, you know, at that point, I'm not sure what they're going to do with that other outfield spot. Because, you know, they'd also had Orff uh, playing right field regularly, and he's done a great job in the outfield although he's an infielder by trade. So, you know, a lot of guys who can play a lot of positions, and I'm, I'm glad I don't have to figure out who's going to play where. That's uh, beyond my pay grade.
1: It You look at the roster, and... I mean, I just from my glance at it, David Freitas, Keston Hira, I think Mauricio DeBond, Corey Pant, Spangenberg, Tyler Saladino, Nadorf, Jacob Nottingham, those are guys that could all walk into a, a big league clubhouse right now and, and not embarrass themselves at the major league level. This is a very, very deep San Antonio roster. Would you agree?
3: Oh, it's uh, it's incredibly deep. you know. And, and if you look at how a lot of teams in the big leagues try to build their team, it's about depth. And versatility, Um, you know, like the Dodgers are a team that's classic for doing that. Um, But a lot of other teams do it as well. You know, having guys who can play multiple positions because typically teams carry more pitchers than position guys. So you want those, uh, you want some position guys who can who can play in you know variety of spots. But you're right; those guys you mentioned, I think they've all been uh, to the major leagues, so they've had big league time already. But um, it just makes things easier because you know if a guy is hurt. Or slumping, maybe needs a day off. You've got um, a variety of, of choices from which to choose for, you know, plugging a guy in at third, or no, I'm going to move him. You know, I look at, I think Saladino's had starts at six different positions. I think Spangerberg has started at uh, six or seven different positions. So I mean, those those two guys in particular have been um, movable pieces, and they've done well wherever uh, wherever Rick has put them.
1: Because of Keston Hira, maybe there's not as much attention on Mauricio Dubon, but he was so close last year to getting to the big leagues, and then he got injured. I think he was within a week of getting to the big leagues last year prior to uh, his injury, and he's on the hit streak right now. I think it was 13 going into today. You can tell me if I got that wrong, but uh, he he just seems to be playing really really well right now.
3: Yeah, he um, he, he was never playing poorly, but you know I think the first. Uh, uh, maybe the first month or so of the year, he was at you know he's in around two fifty and OPS was maybe seven hundred, not spectacular, but he's he kicked it into another year. and uh, you can go back to probably the early part of May is when he's really started to hit. Uh, I think since like May ninth, he was at three forty and leading the league in hits, and he's been very consistent. He's been one of our best clutch hitters too. Uh, he and Freitas have been amazing when it comes to you know runners in scoring position needing a big hit. Uh, they both come through. Uh, you know, Mo's a guy who doesn't strike out much. Normally puts the ball in play. He's showing some power this year. He's got, you know, t- I think ten home runs uh, on the season. Uh, and you know, he's done a good job at shortstops. So, and he's played a few games at second base. But uh, yeah, he's he's been terrific. Um, you know, pretty much picked up more or less where he left off last year. Um, hitting over 300 on the year, and uh, hopefully, you know, we got the PCL All Star game coming up pretty soon, and hopefully, he gets an opportunity to uh, play in that game.
1: Zach Brown has struggled as we kind of jump over to some pitchers, and uh, he started today's game four and two thirds innings, seven runs on, on nine hits. That jumped his ERA to 5.73. A lot of Brewers fans are, are curious what's going on with him. What are you seeing from him as he still kind of is scuffling along?
3: Well, what I'm seeing, and I, I talked to Rick Sweet about it, so it came from his mouth as well, it all boils down to fastball command. Uh, you know, and that's that's the key for any pitcher, any successful pitcher in the big leagues. They all have fastball command. You've got to be able to command the fastball and command it down in the zone. A, uh, hey, number one, it's why they, you know, the fastball has been dubbed over the years as, you know, public enemy number one. Uh, and it's it's fastball command. I mean, it, um Everything else is fine. Uh, I think, and I don't know, you know, I don't know how you get fastball command. Uh, again, that's you know beyond my scale of knowledge. But that's really what it comes down to. And as a result, you know, you're looking at uh, you know hitter counts early on, or a lot of deep counts uh, where you're really having to fight to to get through it. And I mean, to his credit, he's a, he's a battler. I mean, he's he uh, has a good you know good work ethic, and um, you know he's a competitor out there, but. Um, the bottom line is, it really just comes down to fastball command, and and like Rick was telling me the other day, it just you know it hasn't been there yet, and and hopefully he finds it soon. But um, as soon as he does, I think it will be fine because all the other uh, tangibles are there for him.
1: I understand the question I'm about to ask you is a tough question because he's only made one appearance with the team. But Brewers fans are – I think a lot of them are really intrigued with Luke Barker, uh, his story, where he came from, how he came through. He got to double-A. He was a double-A all-star. And now he's a triple-A, and he had a nice first appearance throwing one inning, didn't give up a run. Uh, does it, How much confidence do you feel like maybe there is from the organization that this guy can really be somebody?
3: Well, I think the fact that they moved him up to this level, uh, shows you that they have complete confidence in him because the Pacific Coast League is a, is a hitter friendly league and, and, you know, it'll humble a guy, you know, it'll humble a pitcher in a, in a New York minute, uh, um, you know, coming up here, especially this year using that Major League Baseball with is up. Um, and he is a great story. You're right. I a mean, guy who, you know, started off pitching in independent ball and signed and, you know, those guys are usually signed just organizational filler and once in a while they they do so well that they get to the big leagues he looked good the other night i mean i would need to see him more to to get a better feel because it was a, a small sample size but he he looked fine the other night and you know was moving the ball around and um you know certainly didn't look phased by triple a went right after the hitters so i was impressed but i think his body of work speaks for itself you know what he did down in See, now understand double a hitters and triple a hitters it's Kind of night and day because I've been at both levels and you know AAA guys are a lot more refined and and they don't chase. But um, I like what I saw the other night and I again I think the fact that Milwaukee uh, decided to move him and I know Biloxi has several pitchers, uh, relief guys who've had good years and they picked him. So that tells you that they're they're pretty confident in his ability and I would expect him to pitch well uh, for the rest of the summer for us I think.
1: Jay Jackson struggled a bit at the big league level he had a good debut but then kind of fell off and uh, he ends up coming back to San Antonio and all he's done in 24 games a 1.26 ERA what what's gone on with him and has anything really changed with him as he's gone through the year where he, he'll maybe be a different guy when he gets back to the big leagues? Yeah,
3: you know, I um, you know I can't speak to why and again you know it's you have a few games in the big league. It's not a, a huge sample size, but um, and he really only got a brief opportunity in San Diego years ago when he got his you know first crack at the major leagues. He's a great here. You know, fastball slider guy. Uh, he's dominated the PCL. I think the league's at maybe a buck uh, fifty off him or something like that. He's got a great strikeout to walk split. Uh, I'm not sure why it hasn't translated in the big leagues, but again, it's not like he's had, you know, 50 appearances in the big leagues. It's, you know, a handful of games where, you you know, who knows, maybe it was a a bad day, but, you know, big league hitters are pretty good too. And, uh, you know, what might work against triple A guys might not work against, you know, potentially big league hitters. So, um, you know, I hope Jay gets another opportunity, whether it's, you know, with Milwaukee or down the road, another organization, he's a good guy. Uh, really good pitcher, and uh, he's been absolutely lights out for us.
1: Let me finish you off with this. Uh, Aaron Wilkerson just got called back up, and he's going to be pitching. And we've seen a fair amount of Wilkerson uh, in the big leagues, and he's done a pretty nice job already. It's not like he has struggled. But my goodness, you look at what he's done at A in his 10 appearances, the 1.79 ERA, the, the .95 whip. Uh, this is somebody who, again, uh, I think a lot of Brewers fans are excited about. What did what you see from him recently that gave the Brewers the, the reason and the motivation to bring him back?
2: Well, I think he's just
3: consistent, you know, he throws strikes and that's you know, that's a big key right there if you're a pitcher to throw strikes, not I don't mean lay lay the ball over the middle of the plate, but move the ball around, change a hitter's eye level. Uh, you know, he's a guy you look at him and I don't think he probably throws much more than about ninety two or three, but it goes to show you that if you can throw strikes, if you can locate your pitches, you can have success without having to throw, you know, ninety six or 97 miles an hour, and he's been just so consistent with us. You know, he mentioned his ERA. It's funny because he had one bad outing, just one of those nights when we were in Vegas where he couldn't get out of the first inning and gave up eight runs, His ERA went from .4 to one point something. But you still look at it and you go, that's a great ERA. But aside from that game, he's been, he's been good. And even a couple times when he's you know, maybe not had his best stuff, and you can tell he's kind of fighting it. He's, he's figured out a way to get through it, and, and that's important, too, I think, for the development of a pitcher because you're not going to go out there 30 times a year and have your best stuff. I mean, you're probably a third of the time. You might not have a pitch working for you or something's not working, and you're going to have to figure out a way to get it done and get through five innings or six innings or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, a couple other times where he's uh, – maybe been off a little bit he's usually been able to, to figure it out but he's you know he's he's just been consistent and um you know gets you know he'll get you six seven eight strikeouts a game he doesn't walk batters uh and he's a battler out there you know he's another good story too a guy who you know his arm broke down in college and he was you know working at a heb in the freezer department and played for four different independent teams in a year and finally signed by the Red Sox and you know guys like that aren't supposed to get to the big leagues but he has and it's uh, I love stories like that and uh, he's he's been terrific and I hope he does well and you know it's bittersweet you hate to lose good guys, but that's what the idea is with minor leagues. So it's like you almost wish, like, well, I hope I don't see him again, but, you know, we'll take him if we do. But I hope Loki does well and gets a good long opportunity to show what he can do in Milwaukee this time around.
1: Mike, if folks want to listen to your broadcast, uh, watch the MIB.TV uh, uh, broadcast. Uh, how can folks consume everything that is uh, San Antonio Missions baseball?
3: Well, as far as watching uh, minor league baseball, CD package. I think it's. And I don't know if it's prorated now that we're in the middle of the year, but I think for the whole season it's like maybe forty bucks, and you can watch every single minor league game, not just the team you want to watch. Um, there's no blackout restrictions or anything like that. Uh, as far as the radio goes, um, samissions.com is our website, and there should be a link on there. Or if you go to like the uh, the scoreboard, like the PCL scoreboard, you see our game. There should be a link on there that lets you click on to uh, listen. I think it's, uh, uh, if you're listening on your smart device, I think it's TuneIn, the TuneIn app, uh, and you can listen for free uh, every game. So if you don't want to watch them, you can listen. So those are the, those are the two ways to follow along.
1: He's uh, Mike Sager. Follow him on Twitter at S.A. Missions Radio. That's S.A. like San Antonio, S.A. Missions Radio. Mike, thanks so much for uh, taking the time, and uh, we'll do this again here in another uh, six weeks or so.
3: Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me. Good chatting with you.
1: Mike Sager joining us here on Brewers X Trains, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, taking a look at what's going to be coming up this week. Monday is an off day. That is the final off day for the Brewers until the All Star break. So Monday is an off day, and then they will continue the homestand. They've got a couple three game series. Uh, First, they'll have an interleague series against the Mariners, and then they will welcome in the Pittsburgh Pirates. So uh, Tuesday and Wednesday against the Mariners, 7 10 first pitch, and then an afternoon game 110 coming up on Thursday and then the Pirates It'll be a 7-10 first pitch on Friday, a 7-15 first pitch on Saturday, and then a 110 first pitch on Sunday. That will wrap up the homestand, and then Monday, July 1st, they'll hit the road for their final road trip before the All-Star break, starting with the first of four against Cincinnati. I do want to remind you about something new that we've got going on on WTMJ Radio. Of course, you can listen to all the Brewers games on WTMJ we now have Brewers warm-up. I, I hope you've listened to my post-game show, Brewers Extra Innings, whether you uh, listen to it live or maybe uh, listen to it, I guess it's always live, but whether you listen to it uh, on the actual radio or listen at WTMJ.com. Now for Brewers games that begin around 7 o'clock, so whether it's 7, 7.05, 7.10, 7.15, whatever it might be, uh, we have Brewers warm-up. Uh, from six o'clock to when the network broadcast begins and we also have that show a lot on the weekend so a local pre-game show that i've got and then of course after the network broadcast wraps up we are back with you with brewers And so i hope you get the opportunity to check out the show i've certainly uh, enjoyed doing it here recently we will talk to you again next week again thanks to my guest uh both uh nicholas zettel for joining us and also uh mike Sager talk to you next week for another edition of brewers extra innings the podcast powered by wtmj
0: thanks for listening to brewers extra innings the podcast matt will be back next week with another episode for all the latest brewers news keep listening to the home of the brewers news radio 620 wtmj